Welcome to another episode of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. As always, I'm joined by Tennessee Titans fan, apparently. Akash. Akash, what is up? What's up with your gear, actually? What's up, KP? Uh, I was in Nashville like last month, and I always think it's cool when you visit other cities and you grab other teams' gear because, uh, you know, the colors are colors are sweet it's, it's a comfy quarter zip so you know i got some other teams not other teams gear no big deal but uh you know still still uh still pulling for the 49ers always i heard uh some I've, I've never been in nashville but i've heard some really good things is it a fun town it is a dope town man um this so the stadium nissan stadiums like across the water uh from broadway where everything is happening uh it's uh it's a scene i, I would definitely recommend it i know the niners play there i think christmas week so if you're a 49ers yeah. fan listening, I would get there early, enjoy, grab a couple drinks, go watch the game. It would be a good time. Anything specific bring you out there or just kind of roaming? Just kind of roaming. I mean, you get out on Broadway and there's a country bar everywhere. Country stars own them left to right, live music up and down the street. Uh, it's kind of got a Vegas feel, honestly. Uh, Vegas of the South, I'd say. So nice. super, super cool yeah. city. I've heard other people describe it. So I live in Scottsdale, as Scottsdale East. So that's good. Speaking of owning Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Shanahan and the 49ers beat McVay for, I believe, the fifth consecutive game in a row, 31-10. to 10. So the line was tricky on this one. The 49ers were only three-and-a-half-point underdogs, and everybody ever felt like the Rams would blow them out. Why? Because they just acquired Von Miller. They just acquired Odo Beckham Jr. The 49ers were just blown out by... Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals conventional wisdom would say this was going to be another rough outing for the 49ers who had not won at home in over 13 months. That didn't happen. 49ers put on a show. They came out strong and it was pretty amazing to watch. Before we get into the game, I do have to ask you, please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars, comment on the show. That does wonders for the algorithm, pushes us up. So Thank you for those of uh, for those of you who have been listening to us all season. Okay, let's talk about the game. I don't often bet on the 49ers. I did bet on them on Monday. In a weird way, I was confident that they would cover. I do not want to sit here and lie to you and say that I thought that they were going to win in the way that they did. I thought there was a chance based on the things that would happen. But, man... I want you to take take it here, and I will just piggyback off you. So I wrote about some bold predictions, and a lot of those came true. Speaking of, Jimmy Ward, I thought that he would have an interception. The only reason was just because that he would be matched up against Cooper Cup, and the Rams throw the ball to Cooper Cup every time, so he would have had an opportunity. But that happened twice, and the 49ers really, from wire to wire, um, outperformed the Rams. Yeah, shout out to you winning some money uh, on the 49ers last night. Last night was like the perfect time to bet on the 49ers. I think I took the money line. It was like plus 155. Um, everyone and their mom was betting on the Rams, uh, right? They just got Mont Miller. They got Odell. They got smacked at home by the Titans. They're the seven and two team. They're, you know, the better team on paper. The 49ers just got embarrassed last week. So the public was hammering the Rams. And you know, you know when it's a perfect time to fade the public, go the other way. And uh, yeah, so it paid off. So shout out to the both of us there for taking the 49ers, even though I wasn't really confident, but uh, it, w- it was the smart move and we ended up making money. But back to the game, it felt like absolutely everything that the 49ers did was clicking. 
offensively, defensively, special teams, any call they made, it felt like it was working. And how often do we see that with this team? Uh, I felt like it was maybe the first time in a few years where it felt like just anything they did uh, was striking gold, starting with Jimmy Ward, right? I think it was his first interception since 2016. I mean, how many times have 49ers defensive backs dropped picks when the ball hits them in the hands? And Jimmy Ward made a fantastic play on a miscommunication between Matt Stafford and, and Odell Beckham Jr. And then that, that's your first interception. Then on the you know subsequent drive, uh, a ball that was kind of weirdly thrown behind him, Jimmy Ward picks it off. And not only does he pick it off, he makes like this stumbling return into the end zone for a pick six. So right off the bat, 49ers are up 14-0 offensively it felt like everything Kyle Shanahan was calling was working um you know uh we talked about this before we hit record on third down they were 57 percent uh you know they converted 57 percent of the third downs but we were looking at the success rate um which is slightly different and I think there was 70 percent success rate passing on third and fourth down which is unheard of so it just felt like they were clicking on all cylinders um and, you know, that's what we had kind of been waiting to see all season. Can this team put a complete game together for 60 minutes, all three phases? It finally happened. And that was a result on the field. Yeah. So you mentioned how many times do we see the 49ers drop interceptions? Mosley dropped two this game. It that's happens true. every game is what it feels like. And thankfully, they were able to take advantage of some errant throws from Stafford and honestly, just some gifts. And to be honest, that happens to every team, and it feels like the 49ers are one of the few teams in the NFL that just don't take advantage. But we have to talk about the offense because that is who won the game. So 18 plays, 93 yards, and 11-minute drive to start the game. That had to be the fastest first quarter of the entire NFL season. That usually doesn't happen in primetime games. So shout-out to you, Kyle Shanahan, for getting us in and out in under three hours that I feel like that never happens, but God bless. Um, the game plan was come out, run the ball outside, establish the run, get into third and manageable and let Jimmy convert, rinse, wash, repeat. That is a lot of pressure on your quarterback. That is a lot of pressure on you and your offense to perform on early downs. And then you're pretty much putting it all on Garoppolo's lap to convert on late downs. But as you mentioned, that's exactly what happened. So on 18 first downs in this game, the 49ers ran the ball on 17 of those. So they're winning on first and second down, or at least putting themselves in a position to make it third and manageable. And that's when Jimmy found Kittle, Jimmy found Debo, um, Jimmy found Ayuk on third downs. And that's why he had that 70% passing success rate. I thought just from on the first drive, the way that they – there was a little chess match going on, a cat-and-mouse game between Shanahan and Raheem Morris. I thought that they could – that was one of the best um, head-to-head matchups that we've seen between, you know, coaches this season. So 49ers live in 21 personnel. What the Rams did when the 49ers were, you know, having relying on Kyle Juszczyk because that's how they run their offense. They're going to use a fullback to dictate what the defense can do. The Rams would trot out a five- or six-man box. And by that, that means all the all the offensive linemen would be covered and the linebackers would be able to run free instead of fitting a square peg into a round hole and just running into that box. The 49ers took juice out of the game, entered Juwan Jennings, and that's who started the game. And I want to say of those 18 plays, the majority, perhaps even 15 of those were in 11 personnel 
or I guess 11 or 12 personnel, not 21 personnel. What that did was force the Rams to have a lighter box. All the pre-snap motion that I'm sure everybody knows by now the 49ers rely on just gave the Rams fits. And in turn, Elijah Mitchell, instead of running into eight or more men in the box, which is something that he's done 31% of the time this season, he ran into an eight or man, eight plus man box 7% of the time. So the trickle down effect, everything that we saw happen, like the coaching, the counters, the curveballs, the sweeps, using Debo Samuel as a lead blocker, using Debo Samuel as a running back. It was really, really impressive. Where has this been? <laughs> why? Why does it I, take you to get up for little brother? But why? like that's that's really what I was wondering all game. This was an amazing performance, but it should not take you to, you know, backs against the wall, playing against the Rams, knowing that, you know, this is essentially your season to perform this well because they were really, really good. But I think everybody was asking the same question, like where had this been for the rest of the season? You, you mentioned, um, you know, get Jimmy Garoppolo in third and manageable, you know, third and less than five. And then now, you know, your entire playbook opens. And, you know, I think his time, the average time to throw was like 2.33 seconds, which was one of the fastest uh, release times. So he's, you know, uh, getting to the top, top of the drop, getting rid of the ball. So, you know, uh, bad things happen when Jimmy Garoppolo holds onto the ball. That's when the sacks come. That's when the Aaron throws come. When he gets rid of the ball that quickly, typically, you know, that means you're getting, you're getting, you know, shorter intermediate throws, getting the balls into the hands of Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, and then letting those guys uh, make magic after the catch. So I thought that was, um, you know, part of the game plan that was really, really good. But yeah, back to your point about why it took forever. I mean, where was this, right? We were talking about identity maybe a couple weeks ago on the pod and how the 49ers offense didn't have an identity. They didn't know kind of what they were doing. And I, and felt like they finally found their identity, which is they are super physical, super tough at the point of attack, run the crap out of the ball in early downs, let Jimmy manage the game, you know, make key throws throughout um, and not let him screw you basically. And, you know, play, you know, execute at a high, high level. And it felt like they found that. Now the question is, can they consistently do it, you know, over the next uh, whatever, eight game, nine games or whatever are remaining this season, eight games, um, and, you know, make a run for the playoffs because that's been the other thing. They haven't been able to put together that type of a performance for four quarters. They finally did it. Now can it carry over next week? And lucky for them, they get a Jacksonville team that, you know, may not tell us much um, just because of how they've played the season. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, that we've, we haven't had – we haven't been able to talk about the P word seriously just because the 49ers haven't really given us a reason to, to think about the playoffs. Now, and in a, a league that's so fickle and a league that changes week to week, we can talk about the playoffs because the 49ers are only a half game out. But going back to those four bold predictions, so I said Jimmy Ward needed to get multiple interceptions, and I just – that was just a prediction. It happened. I thought – You picking lottery that, numbers this week? <laughs> not quite so i i thought that to win the 49ers needed to have more explosive plays than the rams did because rams high-flying offense obviously not having robert woods out there and only having odell beckham jr for a practice or two helped so the 49ers did have more explosive passing plays hold matt stafford under 300 yards they i didn't think they were going to have much success running the ball uh was not so sure about stopping them through the air that also happened 
So it was just cool to see all those things come to fruition. And the the other one was just they'd have the longest return of the season. Brent Ike really didn't have a chance, but Trent Cannon did have a nice 37-yarder that led to another touchdown drive. Let's turn the page to the Rams de- – or sorry, the Rams offense, the 49ers defense, because they only scored 10 points. And for the most part, the 49ers bottled the Rams up all evening. It wasn't as if D'Amico Ryans did anything different. Was it as simple as just getting Jimmy Ward back on the field? Because, hello, good player. That's part of it. Um, they struggled mightily with Tavon Wilson and Talanoa Hufanga last week, uh, just limiting the explosive plays, uh, I thought. And uh, you and I always shower praise on Jimmy Ward. And he talked a lot of crap about Matt Stafford and the Rams, I think, earlier in the offseason. And so he, he came to back it up, and they moved him all over the field yesterday whether it was matched up against Cooper Cup, uh, in the box, center field, et cetera, and he was a playmaker for them. Um, but that was part of it. I thought Fred Warner's energy was excellent, whether it was pregame. You know, you and I talked about uh, John Lynch calling Fred Warner out publicly on the radio, and we thought it was a little weird that he went ahead and did that when it's one of your team's you know, best players. Uh, so I thought Fred Warner uh, really brought the energy, and that type of stuff is contagious across your defense. Um, some other wrinkles we talked about, they moved Nick Bosa inside a little bit. It felt like Nick Bosa was getting chipped like every other play or doubled. And that's unfortunate because they just don't have, uh, you know, much depth on the defensive line beyond Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. So, um, they were able to move him around a little bit. And and I think he got a sack, I think rushing from the inside late in the game there. So little wrinkles like that, but I think most of it was just playing with more energy, more effort, more discipline. Uh, They only missed one tackle on Monday night compared to 10 the week before. And it just felt like they were in the right place at the right time uh, a lot, uh, which is good. But there's still quite a bit of concern with this defense. Their lack of pass rush uh, last night was on display. It felt like Matt Stafford had a lot of time and Matt Stafford made a lot of mistakes, whether it was missing throws, throwing the interceptions, there were a couple of key drops uh, for Rams receivers. I think Cooper Cup had a pair. Tyler Higby had one on third down where, you know, they catch those, it's a first down, whatever, and they end up punting instead. So there were some self-inflicted mistakes by the Rams, but credit to the 49ers defense. Uh, I think they're now 13th in total uh, defensive DVOA. So they're slowly sliding up, but clearly this unit is a hodgepodge unit and they're just going to be pieced together the rest of the season. Even if they get Dre Greenlaw back or D Ford back, they're not going to be as good as years past. So it's going to be on the offense to carry more of the load. But can they just limit explosive plays? Can they create timely turnovers? Can they be a bend, not break defense in the red zone? I think those are the things that will determine how good this defense is uh, going throughout the year. Yeah, that's a good point. There, there was always going to be regression for the 49ers defense. New defensive coordinator, not a lot of investments in the secondary. It's about just getting timely stops and turnovers, and that's how you win in the NFL with defense. Obviously, they do have great players in Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Eric Armstead playing inside, and then if they can get any sort of contributions like they did with Jimmy Ward, that would go a long way. The 49ers are 10th in defensive success rate and 43% with four, at 43%, I should say. But their EPA per play is their 19th, which tells you that they're just giving up way too many big plays at the moment. Uh, one good point he has, so moving Nick Bosa inside, you can't chip him when he's inside. So there's no way for you to help him by moving inside. Arden Key usually plays on the edge, had a sack rushing over the guard. That was nice to see. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, I think it was just them not making mistakes. And a lot of that was from the tackling. So Ziza Shire, 
flew around all game, Kyle Shanahan said on Tuesday during his media availability. I mean, quote, sorry, quote, I mean, Aziz flew around all game, made some big hits. They had one run that was blocked up really well by their team, and he was one of the only guys who would save him from the complete backside, and he went and made the play, and it was huge. And then, uh, end quote, Shanahan just talked about him, Aziz Alshire stopping the screen and having another big play, and just playing with physicality that we really haven't seen from the 49ers. Um, there was one play where the if he he hit the Rams guy so hard that Alshire's face mask helmet was crooked. It was so, bent, yeah. Yeah, it, really, it was literally bent. Like, that's no exaggeration. Um, Seeing him oh, fly around. Go ahead. I was going to say, over under how many hours Kyle Shanahan slept last night? Because game ended late, right? Broke down the tape and he had media availability, what, like in the mid-afternoon Pacific time? Yeah, they broke it up. And he had offense and defense broken down? Short week. He probably slept a lot better than he has been sleeping. That's true. Knowing that, you know, they finally got a win under their belt. And it was against a quality team. So one of the things we've been talking about is, hey, you beat the Lions. You beat the Eagles. You beat the Bears. Let's see you do it against somebody good, somebody worthy. What do they do? They beat one of the best teams in the NFC, and they didn't just beat them. Uh, They manhandled them on both sides of the ball. Credit the tackling, credit limiting big plays. Credit finally playing complimentary football, man. Even the special teams. We mentioned Trent Cannon, 37-yard return. DJ Robbie Jones. Gold, uh, yes, that that was an amazing play. And, and Kyle Shannon actually spoke about that as well. Uh, he said, quote, it was such a good play. I didn't realize how good it was until I got home last night because I wasn't expecting a fake at the time. And they did it. And then he just talked about how Demetrius Flanagan Foles, he took away the ineligible. So there was a lot of a lot going on in that play. but. The fact that DJ Jones had the awareness to go peel off and make that tackle in the open field, put the man at cornerback. I don't think anyone expected that thing because there's 18 seconds left. I think the Rams were, you know, just outside the red zone. So even if you convert that fourth down, what do you have another shot at the end zone maybe before you got to kick another field goal? So uh, Kyle Shanahan weirdly took the timeout at that point, which probably forced Sean McVay's hand or maybe, you know, led him to going for the fake because there was time on the clock. So weirdly that they both kind of screwed up, but it benefited the 49ers. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about that because at the time, it seemed like a desperate call. At the time, it felt like Sean McVay was sort of waving the white flag. I don't know what I can do. I don't think that I can score on you. So I'm going to try to trick you to score on you. It ended up costing the team points and the Rams were really never able to recover on offense until it was too late and the game was in hand. So that fourth down blunder cost them. And then the Rams later on in the game had an opportunity to stop the 49ers on fourth and six. Jimmy made a nice tight window throw. Debo bounced off a guy, raced 40 yards for a touchdown. Those were two of the big ones on fourth down. That's what happens, man. What do you think of both of those calls? Fourth and five, Kyle Shanahan going for it. I mean, where was this Kyle Shanahan? We had, you know, fourth and ones and he'd be punting you know, on the plus side of the field. And this was fourth and five, and he had no hesitation because they ran the ball on third and six, I think, gained like a half yard. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo said after the game, he looked over at Kyle, and Kyle was already like face was in the play sheet, calling the play. So there wasn't much of a decision to be made there. So going into third down, he knew he had two plays to get the five yards. And just having that aggressive mindset probably, uh, again, is contagious to the rest of your offense because it just shows you believe in them versus punting the ball, playing, you know, conservatively there. And, uh, you know, what do you know? Ends up with a Debo Samuel touchdown, basically puts, uh, you know, a stake in the game at that point. All right, so let's move on here. The 49ers came out relatively unscathed after 
the Rams game. So Jalen Moore, who did leave the game, and I, I do think he played very well, and I hope that you know he is able to get back onto the field. He left with a knee injury, but Kyle Shanahan, there was no major structural damage to his knee. So that's a good sign that Moore will not miss extensive time. Other than that, Elijah Mitchell, running back, starting running back, Elijah Mitchell, who had 27 carries, which tells you that they do trust him. He suffered a finger fracture. Uh, Mitchell was scheduled to have surgery on Tuesday. Kyle Shannon said he's going to get a splint in his finger. So I saw some of the fantasy guys on Twitter talking about, hey, you got to sell Elijah Mitchell high, uh, get in on Jeff Wilson, maybe take a take a dab or take a little flyer on Trey Sermon. But Shannon said he's optimistic that he's going to play. He's going to be all right and that he's going to practice on Wednesday. So um, he also lauded just how tough of a player that Elijah Mitchell was. And he even went as far as to make a slight comparison, not to their games, but he put him in the same sentence as Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, as far as guys playing through toughness. And that's how they uh, make it to their second contract and beyond. So a little hyperbole from Shanahan there, but I think just him speaking of Mitchell in that light speaks to, you know, why he feels the way he does, why he is comfortable giving him 27 carries because of the way he runs. Um, because of his toughness. Also, Debo Samuel, who we will get to right now, suffered a shin contusion. He'll be day-to-day. Um, other than that, Josh Norman limited with a rib injury, but again, relatively unscathed. So uh, I guess we do have to mention the 49ers did release Drake Kirkpatrick, who did not play a snap, um, probably was never going to play another snap. Perhaps this means leaning into more rookies, but uh, we'll get there when the ball, uh, when that when we cross that bridge, I guess I should say. So offensive player of the year, potentially Debo Samuel. We talked about that a little bit before we get on here. Um, Should we be concerned about the injury and these injuries perhaps stacking up the more Debo Samuel is used, especially as a running back? And what do you think the odds of him becoming the O-P-O-Y are? Good point on the injuries, Um, especially when you line up at running back. I feel like that's where the most violent collisions happen as you're trying to snake through the defensive line. And now he's been battling a calf injury where he's, you know, he's been limited in practice, but by Friday, Saturday, he's ready to roll. Now he's got the shin contusion. We're halfway through the season. He's been the four He's been the most valuable player on this team. He's been the best player on this team through nine games this season. And these little injuries are just starting to build up a little bit. And so I'm a little concerned that, you know, he's going to be unable to make it all 17 games, despite how tough of a player Debo Samuel is. Um, But I do think, you know, we talked about this before we hit record. He should be in the running for offensive player of the year. Obviously, they should rename it the Derrick Henry Award because I think he's won it the last few years. Uh, But he's out. So I think it's really going to come down to, like, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. Not sure if there's another running back that, really is in the vicinity, maybe Jonathan Taylor, who I think leads all players in, in scrimmage yards. Um, but Debo Samuel's ranks, he's second in receiving yards, second second in yards after yards per reception, first in yards after catch, first in yards per route run. Um, and some of the volume stats, he's played a game less than Cooper Cup. So I think the Rams are on a bye this week. So Debo Samuel will get a chance to catch up uh, and make some ground on Cup there. Um, the big difference probably is, is Samuel has way less receptions than, than Cup. They just he's just used more in the offense uh, down in in LA, and I think touchdowns. I think Cup's got twice as many as Debo does, but he should firmly be in the running. Um, I think you and I think if he keeps this up, he's going to be an All Pro wide receiver, Pro Bowl, and uh, yeah, should be the mix for Offensive Player of the Year. One of the most unique players that 
guy I've ever seen. Just the way that, you know, they move him around, use him everywhere, uh, what he's able to do before and after the catch. Uh, I feel stupid because both of us were sitting here talking about how he's overrated before the season began. And he's been every bit of amazing as, um, you know, uh, he can be. Yeah, he's a unicorn. There's no doubt about it. So he played running back, fullback, wide receiver, and not like the gimmicky wide receiver that we saw last year in the Rams game. He was actually running routes, actually running routes down the field, actually running routes over the middle and in traffic. So, yeah, kudos to him, man. He's been incredible this year, and he's been unreal. Like, we would have never expected this. We we talk about it almost every week where we thought that this was going to be Ayuk performing in this way, and yeah, right. it's been anything but. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the playoffs. All right, so after beating the Rams, the 49ers climbed a couple spots in the NFC playoff picture. They are now ninth. They were 11th heading into Week 10, and they have a strong, strong opportunity to make the playoffs. Obviously, you have to keep winning. They have to get back to 500 first. That happens if you beat the Jaguars. So the 49ers are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jaguars on the road. Everybody in the world expects them to win. Let's assume that they do get back to 500. So they have some competition. The last two spots, as it stands right now, belong to the Panthers, who are five and five, I believe, and the Saints are five and four. So the Saints, Trevor Simeon, that is their quarterback. They were throwing the ball to Taysom Hill. They do not have any sort of wide receivers on their team. Their wide receivers, I watched the game two weeks ago, dropped 11 passes. They cannot be relied upon. Um, Carolina, so who knows what they're going to get with Cam Newton. Yes, they beat the Cardinals. They beat the Colt McCoy-led Cardinals. We will see how that offense looks when teams are taking away Christian McCaffrey on option routes and making Cam go literally anywhere else. I don't think that those two teams are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to fall out of favor. Definitely think the Saints will. A part of me, and I'm just – this feels like a prisoner of the moment, but the Rams are seven and three. They're trending in the right, the wrong direction. Of course, they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, but they have to play the 49ers. The Rams also have to play the Packers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Vikings, and Ravens. So there's a chance, and I'm not saying they miss the playoffs, but it, there aren't really any gimmies on the schedule. So I, I don't want to pin them as a lock based on what we've seen in the past two weeks, but let's just assume that the Rams are the fifth seed. My argument was that the 49ers and the Vikings are going to get in just based on schedule, based on them being the highest variance left. So we know when they play their best, Minnesota and the 49ers are probably going to be the best of the rest, I guess, of the final seven or so teams that make it. Don't really trust the Saints. Don't trust the Panthers. Don't trust Jalen Hurts. The Falcons cannot stop anybody on defense so i mean if you just by process of elimination it leaves you with the vikings and the niners where do you stand on the playoff race football outsiders says that the 49ers as of today have a 50.1 percent chance of making the playoffs uh that went up by 20 percent um after their win on uh monday night against the rams so they're firmly back in control um obviously their margin for error the rest of the season is lower just because they've lost five games already. And now you've got to buckle down and start stacking some wins. And that starts this week in Jacksonville. But just like you went through, you go through the teams that are in the mix. The saints 
have the 16th toughest schedule remaining. Um, they still have, uh, I believe they still have the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers left on their schedule. And obviously they've got a ton of problems at quarterback. So that's a team that I see regressing. Um, even even with their hot start, they were winning games in weird ways. And we, you and I thought that just wasn't sustainable as the season went on. Um, so I think that's the case. Then you look at the next team, the Panthers. Like what's going to happen with Cam Newton? Cool to see him back um, and celebrating. But is that really, you know, uh, is that team sustainable as the season goes on? There's, they've got the fourth toughest schedule uh, left. Uh, they they still got the Buccaneers twice. I think they still uh, they still play the Bills. Um, so they've got they've got a tough slate down the stretch of the season there. And then the other teams that are in the mix: Minnesota, Atlanta, 49ers. Uh, they all play each other, or at least the 49ers play both the Vikings and the Falcons head to head. Both games are at home. So in the event you end up in a tiebreaker, you could beat those teams. You would have the head to head tiebreaker. So. A lot, of, a lot of this is kind of lining up for the 49ers to make a run here. I think the bottom of the NFC is actually kind of bad. You know, we've talked about this before. There's a clear kind of top four, right, with Green Bay, Arizona, uh, Tampa, who had a weird loss this past week, and then Dallas. And then there's this, and then there's kind of the second tier. And I think the 49ers could sneak into that second tier. I think nine, eight or nine wins gets you into the playoffs, and I think the 49ers do that. Uh, they've got the third easiest schedule left. Um, obviously games against Jacksonville, Texans, Atlanta, um, obviously Minnesota, Cincinnati. So they've got some, they've got some games on the schedule where they can kind of put together a run here. Um, but it starts with one, it starts with the first one here in Jacksonville and then they come home to Minnesota and consistency, right? We've been talking about this all season. This team finally put together a full game. Now can they make it two and can they make it three? And, uh, I thought it was really impressive that Kyle Shanahan basically said, yeah, we didn't hand out any game balls. We expect this from our team week in and week out and good on Kyle. And hopefully the team comes in kind of with the same mentality that they did this past week and they can just continue to push forward. So yes, I do think they make the playoffs. So four and five right now, do you think they get in as a nine win team, as an eight win team, as a 10 win team? Like what, what is your number? The optimist in me says 10 and seven, I think is where they finish, but I think realistically it's probably going to be nine and eight Um, to get to 10 and seven. They would only have to lose two games, right? They've got a tough road game in Tennessee. They still got that week 17 game in Los Angeles where both teams could be playing for something. And is Sean McVay really going to lose six straight games to Kyle Shanahan. So that's a tough one. And then you fact, you figure there's probably going to be one more unexpected loss in there. Maybe at Seattle, they go to Cincinnati um who's got some explosive players on offense so i would think nine and eight and i I imagine nine and eight gets you in especially if you're able to beat minnesota and atlanta uh teams that you'd be competing for uh for that final wild card spot and obviously they've already beat philadelphia who's kind of in the mix who i don't really expect to hang around but who knows what about you yeah so a lot i mean a lot of people are saying well imagine if they beat the cards and they didn't and you can't do that you can't go back (laughs) Yeah, you didn't expect them to beat the Rams. So essentially they just flipped and any team can play the what if game. So I think realistically, like when we did this a couple weeks ago, I I thought they would win 10 games and they really hadn't given us any reason to believe so. But now I think nine is realistic just because four and five right now, uh, the way they finish the season, I think they beat the Jags. That gets them to five and five. I think down the line they beat the Falcons and the Texans. So now we are at seven wins. 
the Vikings game is going to be interesting just because I have no idea what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. Just like many people don't know what you're going to get with Jimmy Garoppolo on a game-to-game basis. Uh, I mentioned the variance between these two teams. So that one's a coin flip to me, more so than a team like the Bengals, who I just think that the 49ers match up well with them just because of their physical style of play. A team like um, Seattle, who knows what Russell Wilson, what version of Russell Wilson you're going to get. I think his finger is going to be healthy. They are not a good football team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to be at home. It's a rival game. You kind of throw all the records out the window in that situation. Tennessee, what we thought would be tough because they were on a short week, we don't even know if they're going to be healthy by then. So no Derrick Henry, which is huge. Adrian Peterson, four, five, six games from now. Like who knows what he's going to be. He's 36. Um, Like was Julio Jones going to be off the IR by then? Is A.J. Brown going to be healthy? Nobody knows what version of the Titans we're going to get then. Um, and then you you have the Rams, who are – they're good. I don't, I know that the 49ers just stomped them, but the four, the Rams are a good football team. Um, I think it's going to come down to about that nine-win game, but I, I do think that they get in just because, again, the schedule, their style of play, and I really think that fourth down conversion at the end of the game is something that the 49ers can build off. It's like, oh, wow, we are good. We remember we're good, and they played like it. It was a long time coming, but I think they needed to see, needed to remember that they have a lot of good players, and when they don't, spit up all over themselves, throw a ball over themselves, fumble the ball, drop the ball, uh, miss tackles, misplay the ball in the air, which Josh Norman, hilarious. I don't know that he was like five yards short. I don't know what made him think he could jump that high, but he did, and it could have easily been a touchdown. And in, if the game was close, oh, we fans would have lit him up for giving up that touchdown because Van Jefferson was wide open. He just dropped the ball. Right. 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 right let, let's do this. Do you think Josh Norman starts for the rest of the season? Do you, let me let me rephrase that. Do you think by the next time the 49ers play the Rams, Josh Norman will be starting? That's a good question. Uh, knowing Kyle Shanahan's probably a yes, assuming Josh <laughs> right. Norman stays healthy. But I mean, that play was brutal. I think Eric Eric Crocker tweeted the clip after, and it was hilarious because he it looked like uh, one of those like come on man clips that ESPN does before the Monday night game where he's just he's just leaping and he's like well short of the ball and he falls like flat. I think Van Jefferson kind of bobbles the ball right. Um, and and Kyle Shanahan spoke both about Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore this past week. He actually addressed them by name uh, and not just the third and the fifth round pick. So he mentioned that they were improving. So I got to think that one of those guys get a start over Josh Norman before the end of the season. I just have to believe that that's possible. Yeah, he's probably hoping that's the case because if we get two weeks from now, Justin Jefferson is going to eat him alive. And Kirk Cousins is going to go out of his way to throw the ball to Adam Thune, to throw the ball to Jefferson. And it seems like you want to get your athletes in the game and, that is Diamador Lenore. So I think we, I'm not going to say we've seen the last, the last of Josh Norman, but I don't think he's going to be able to stick around through week 17. Okay. I don't think we need to spend much time on the Jags just because so Trevor Lawrence is good. Everybody else is not. And maybe that's not fair. They do have some promising rookies, Tyson Campbell. My guy's playing a lot better. Josh Allen, who's another young player, the better Josh Allen will pretend. Um, he's been playing well as of late. But they just don't have a lot of talent on the team. And their wide receiver core, their, the rest of their offense, leaves a lot to be desired as far as helping Trevor Lawrence out. 
and they make a lot of they make a lot of mistakes. If you think the 49ers make a lot of mistakes, wait until you see this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Uh, they do a really good job of shooting themselves in the foot and making life difficult on them. And they don't, unlike the 49ers, they don't have the talent to overcome those mistakes or at least keep the game close or competitive. What is your score prediction for the Jaguars game? Uh, ooh, score prediction. Well, I, I, I think it's going to be very similar to that 2019 Bengals game. 49ers, early body clock came, cross-country travel. They just ran the shit out of the ball, played physical, played tough, took care of business, and the game was over by the end of the third quarter. And ideally, you'd like to see the same thing. So I'm going to say 31-14 49ers. Big-time win, stack two, get momentum, come home, prepare for the Vikings, uh, just take care of business. What you got? I think 31-13 is what I was going to say. I just think it's going to be one of those cruise control games where – Again, the 49ers build off this win. They realize, oh, yeah, we are good. We do belong among the best in the NFC. Um, Going across the country, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal for them. And it's going to come down to, you know, Kyle Shanahan against his son, Kirk Cousins. And that's what what we really want to talk about because I want to get to the Vikings game next week. I don't know what to expect. I think both of those teams can be very, very good. But I think both of those teams have shown too many signs of inconsistency. So that will do it for us today. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a comment. That always helps us out. Uh, follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. I'm going to continue to break down this game, have something on YouTube that uh, just go to Kyle Posey, search Kyle Posey on YouTube. I am breaking down the opening drive from the 49ers game. Again, the the motions, using Debo, using Jeff Wilson, the offensive line, Jalen Moore, Jimmy Kittle, all of the good players. Throwing the ball to your good players is a good idea. Getting your good players involved is also a good idea. So uh, thank you, Kyle Shannon, for making my life easy. And Akash, where can we follow you? You can follow me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Once again, appreciate everyone listening. Rate, subscribe, review wherever you get the podcast. Niners Nation Podcast Network. And hopefully we will be speaking with you, breaking down another Niners W. And hopefully they'll be 500 by this time next week. And go Niners.